Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome back to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Uh, you guys are in for a treat today. Back on the program is Don Peppers. And, uh, you know, if if you're not connected with Don, Don, I noticed you have a whopping 328,000 followers on, on LinkedIn. And there's no surprise that Don has that many followers because he's really the authority on customer experience. That is his background. It is his passion. Uh, there's no one on the planet that I know of that has written more books and been more of a thought leader than Don uh, in terms of customer experience. What you might hear is called CX Today. And we're going to talk about customer experience, delivering a great customer experience um, during this time when it's it's hard to get face-to-face -face with people and right. things have changed. So, Don, thanks. thank you so much for coming back on the program. Well, thanks for the very kind words, David. Thank you. You, uh, as I said on the last podcast and we did, you, were, you, you are on my bookshelf at home way before we ever met. Uh, early in my career, when I started my career in marketing, I'm like I, I, marketing is all about a great customer experience uh, for sure. Yep. And I always feel like that the CMO, I always felt that my role as chief marketing officer uh, was to create the customer experience. In many organizations, they actually have someone who heads customer experience. But I always felt that was part of my role and responsibility to make sure right. that our customer experience was was dialed in. Let's um, let catch me up on the last on the last year. What's your what you're hearing and seeing from your clients and the people that you're speaking to in terms of the challenges that they're facing, given a, a great customer experience in the in the age of, of COVID, which hopefully we're on the tail sure. end of. Sure. Well, I think when we last talked, we I, I, I talked to you about the, the need to deliver a customer experience that was fundamentally frictionless, that posed no obstacles to a customer trying to meet whatever need they had or to get the product to do the job that they wanted to, to get yeah. done, to use Clayton Christensen's terms. Uh, uh, and I think uh, the COVID crisis, which uh, dramatically suppressed the person-to-person -person interactions that businesses had, suddenly created an urgent need for businesses to run, not walk, into their digital transformations. And you see, you know, McKinsey says 10 years of e-commerce progress in just the first three months of the COVID crisis. And of course, that e-commerce progress was a dramatic um, defrictioning of the customer experience. It's yeah. much less friction to get your products, uh, you know, through interactive technologies than it is in person to person. At the same time, it imposed more inconveniences on, uh, and, and required businesses to change rapidly. Uh, so it had all sorts of effects. What, what changes are you seeing that people are making? When we had our conversation, Don, you know, you inspired me. We went back and we looked at our, even like everything in our customer touch points, we had mm -hmm. this kind of warlike mentality on, on friction in our business. And, and so we looked at our SOWs and we said, what can we trim down in our SOWs? So there's right. just less for people to read through. What can we do in yeah. terms of renewals with our client agreements that that make that either a, a zero experience, meaning phenomenal experience, or one-click experience? We we moved to more docu-signing. We uh, deployed technology like Calendly so that our consultants and team members could could have a frictionless meeting experience with with clients. So we really went through all these different areas. Uh, inspired by our conversation to say, let's let's take friction out of 
our business at DemandGen as much as we could. And I'm, I'm curious what you're seeing or have case studies of maybe some other clients um, doing that themselves. And I'm not even talking about just the actual experience with client, but just the buying experience and the engagement experience. Yeah, uh, well, the, the thing about the COVID crisis is that while it created all this angst uh, and difficulty, and, and we call it a crisis, um, the truth is it's also an opportunity. I think it was Albert Einstein who said, within every crisis lies great opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I believe a politician once said, never waste a perfectly good crisis because you can get things done during a crisis. And I think companies are getting things done. McKinsey, for instance, reported that um, one global telecom company uh, took a thousand in-store personnel and put them on the phones, okay, to interact with customers on the phones and did that in a few days, a, a transition that they thought in normal times would take several months, if not a year or more uh, to get that done. And while we had a, um, a dramatic decline in the purchasing managers index yeah. of economic activity going into COVID, uh, a, a, a ramp up in e-commerce. There was uh, some 40% growth in e-commerce uh, 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 in 2020. That's uh, about three times the average growth that we've had in the 10 year, or the, really the uh, 15 years since about That's 2005. Huge. So uh, it's really quite uh, phenomenal. How do companies, and I, I don't know if you know the answer, I mean, just, a, a, it's a good topic. You look at UPS, mm -hmm. FedEx, Amazon, and all these e-tailers. I don't know about you, but I didn't have a different customer experience during the holiday crunch. Uh, I, they adapted their business to deal with just an onslaught of online buying like never before. So mm -hmm. many people weren't going to the stores and doing traditional holiday Christmas shopping and yet they were able to keep up i found maybe other people's experiences were different but i found you know packages were coming in on sunday packages were coming in at night uh yep. they they must have adapted their business strategically in such a way to, to deal with really uh the overused term but unprecedented time and now even folks like fedex are dealing with the vaccine distribution right yep. and, and have to keep running their their current business while dealing with a, yeah. a massive new client yeah. with the federal government and, and such. You're right. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, there were a lot of businesses that were uh, that were especially handicapped going into the crisis because they designed their business models to function absolutely smoothly and efficiently um, and with little cost, which means very low friction, but also very little reserve. Mm -hmm. They had no reserve capacity. Did you ever wonder why uh, there were toilet paper shortages in the supermarkets? I mean, it's not like uh, COVID crisis increased the the, the right. biological rate, right? No. I mean, well, I'll take the answer from you. I have my own own perception of it. Yeah, the the reason is um, the toilet paper that people main the people buy in the store is not the same toilet paper that companies buy in company restrooms and so forth. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, in a normal work environment, uh, half the toilet paper or more is used in office buildings and factories and, and, and commercial restrooms, uh, whereas in an at-home environment, 100% of the toilet paper is at home. Right. And, and the problem is that the toilet paper manufacturers only had a few days extra supply on hand because they had a regular routine. It was going like clockwork. 
they never wanted to race, uh, never wanted to waste an opportunity, uh, an opportunity to cut cost out of the system. So they, you know, um, uh, just in time deliveries. Okay. And, yeah. and, uh, uh, that kind of, uh, very, very streamlined, but, uh, it, it has no flexibility. And so when a crisis hits, there's no extra margin. You can't suddenly ramp up the manufacturing of toilet paper or mm -hmm. paper towels or, mm -hmm. or, or, or things like that it just doesn't work that way. Uh, and so we've had months of periodic shortages in some uh, paper goods and other goods that you think would be uh, easily uh, replenished. Well, I'm, um, I'm pleased to know. say that I was completely wrong in my my thinking of why we ran out of toilet paper. Uh, I thought it was people, you know, trying to get a sense of control in their lives in a very chaotic time. It, it makes total sense. So I think that I think that added to it. I think uh, people bought more toilet paper than they need, fearing that that wouldn't be available. But mm -hmm. they were correct in their fear, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and it was it's like a bank run. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just because there's a run on a bank doesn't mean it's irrational. People right. want to get their money out first. And yeah. It was a run on toilet paper. The uh, the point I was making is that businesses in the 20th century and and the early 21st century have become accustomed to running right at the margin of doability mm -hmm. in order to minimize their operating costs yep. and minimize their inventory costs and so forth. But that makes them fragile mm -hmm. uh, in the sense that uh, um, a sudden pandemic or if there'd been an asteroid strike somewhere in the world or if a terrorist had set off a nuclear bomb somewhere or some other major accident uh, or problem, uh, they they can't simply recover from. They don't have any spare capacity. Right. Yeah. They have no flexibility. Um, if you ever read uh, Nassim Taleb's book Anti Fragile, that's what he's talking mm -hmm. about. Is uh, we've designed our uh, we've designed our um, economy in such a way that it's it's fragile. When you run everything on six sigma. Okay, which has to do with reducing the variability. The way you reduce variability is with regularity it streams okay and suddenly when you hit a bump you have nowhere to go most of most of our clients span yeah. a couple couple industries uh a lot of tech clients we we help people with the as you know the the growth of their business through technology and methods to use that te technology for driving growth and all of them uh were used to in terms of acquiring new customers through some mix of live events, going to right. conferences, pulling events, conferences that you would frequently keynote speak and, and talk to. Uh, and all that FaceTime with clients, whether it's existing clients or prospects mm -hmm. at their sales team meeting face-to-face, -face, that just got wiped out overnight. Yes. I, yeah. I, I remember yeah. I was in Utah uh, and I was sitting at, uh, we were in a hotel and I was sitting at the uh, like their lobby bar midday with a couple of Adobe folks and we were there for a, a meeting and they one of them got a text on their phone that said adobe summit is being canceled for this year and then that was when reality hit me that holy cow they're canceling their whole conference this was for 2020 yeah. they also did the same thing for 21 and mm -hmm. uh that's when reality started to sit in and and i asked the the reps that were there i go what do you think about that and they're like well, i do i do like 30 percent of my business coming out of that conference Hey, hey, I'm a conference speaker. I, I do 100% of my business at, at, at conferences. And 
in 2019, I went to, I don't know, 15 countries on four different continents um, uh, giving talks. And in 2020, um, I think I, w I made one trip in the uh, very early part of the year. And that's it. Uh, I, I mean, this, the speaking business, I can tell you that's better than baseball. Wow. Will it, will it come back? Yeah, I, th I think it will come back. I think people crave personal connections, um, you know, and, and, I, and I think that there's something you can get from um, a face-to-face -face meeting mm -hmm. with people that you can't get uh, in an online Zoom, uh, or, you know, or WebEx call. Um, I, I also think that um, the businesses that are in the conference business want to promote them more. Uh, you know, all the conference organizers are, you know, um, really in a state of um, uh, suspended animation right now. Uh, some are trying to do a job of um, an online conference, but I have to tell you, an online conference is never going to be quite the same kind of excitement as sitting next to right. 5,000 other people in a big right. audience yeah. and seeing a stage presentation. It's just different. Yeah. Uh, and I think that'll come back, but it may not be till 2022. Uh, certainly not internationally. I, I, we don't think it'll come back till 2022. Yeah. Domestically, you might have some conferences happening late 2021. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't do what you do, but uh, 2019, I did 25 speaking, you know, physical yeah. speaking appearances, mm -hmm. uh, combination of keynotes, workshops, what have you. Yeah. Next week, Depends on what this air for me next week. I'm speaking to 400 marketers for NTT, one of the largest companies in the world, and I'm doing a half-hour session on account-based marketing. And exactly what you're saying right. is like I love being on stage mm -hmm. and seeing the people that I'm inspiring, getting that energy, getting that feedback, talking to them afterwards. And even though I'm really looking forward to the session with them, I miss and crave that human touch, that human interaction being there. And it's, right. it's a big, it's a big change. Right. And I, I, uh, I teach a class, uh, at Menlo college also. And so we do it on zoom and, and the problem with this kind of personal interaction, um, it's better than not. And it's certainly better than just having a, a phone call, let's say, but you can't tell if somebody's looking at you and they can't tell if you're looking at them. Right. Um, right now I'm looking at, at the camera right. i'm not looking at you yeah you're elsewhere on my computer screen yep i'm looking at the camera for the benefit of the viewers right uh and, and i'm trying to make eye contact with uh a camera lens right. fundamentally yeah and, and it doesn't give me a blink it doesn't smile right. uh it doesn't raise its eyebrows yeah uh i don't get a wink or anything um uh so uh it, 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 i think an in-person meetings are going to come back for sure. And they're going to come back in a big way and, and, and to a very appreciative audience, uh, in, in the not too distant future. Yeah. Uh, to that point, let's, let's segue for a second, having yeah. nothing to do. Well, maybe everything to do with customer experience. Um, yeah. I want to offer you guys, uh, I'm going to put a link in the comments below to a PowerPoint deck that we'll share with anybody who wants it. And it's really just a great guide for you on how to have a good presence on camera uh, so that you know right before we got on where Don and I got on. And, and Don, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm looking at this lens, which is yeah. just a big black hole like in space. Right. And yet you're right here. I can see you right here and see your smiling face and the bookshelf 
trying to see what's on your bookshelf, but uh, it's my books on does, the. Uh, does, you said your my books on your bookshelf. It's yeah. on my bookshelf too. How many well, books have you written? I think it's close to twenty. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but it depends on whether you count the textbook. Uh, we've written three editions of our textbook so far, and the truth is, each one was a a, a different edition. Okay. Um, if you count them as one book, and if you count the two versions of Extreme Trust as one book, yeah. Um, uh, although they were quite, they 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 were different, same title but different books. Yeah. Uh, one hardback, and the next one was paperback. Um, that's 11 books. 11 books. Okay. Yeah. And books. we've just signed a contract for the fourth edition of oh. the textbook, uh, which we'll do, uh, deliver. We're supposed to deliver it in September this year. Con congratulations. That's, that's Thank you. awesome. So to, so to offer you guys, so I'm, I'm looking at all of you. I don't get to look at Don. I'd, I'd rather in my brain be looking at you. And I remember Don when I made my first, I had to figure out how to talk to a camera and, and yeah, be able right. to do that. So I, I started making mixology videos. I made five of them at home like, Sweet. I don't know how many years ago, just so I could practice like, all right, so today we want to make an old fashioned. Well, what's an old fashioned? And I had to like, you know, practice because we, none of us ever do that. Now, all of us are having to do that some better than others. So grab that PowerPoint deck so you can see how to um, do things. I'm also going to link you guys to another YouTube video on the channel, which uh, was, it was how to look and sound amazing. Um, you guys can see right now, I'm going to share this with you for those of you that are on the channel. Uh, Don can't see this, but you know, I watch how I can change my lighting. Now you can see like I'm overlit too much. Uh, now you can see where I'm, you know, maybe more properly lit or, you know, something like this, which is a, you know, light on one side, dark on the other. So all of you are sitting and working from home. You're delivering a customer experience uh, for those of you that are customer facing or engaging, even if it's other team members. And so improving your communication skills, uh, Don and I checked on our audio levels before we got started right. We have the honor of being in your ear right now for those of you that are listening to the podcast uh, on Demand Gen Radio. For those of you that are on Demand Gen TV on YouTube, you get to see us as well. And all of these things matter. Every single touch point with your, with your clients matter. So grab those, grab, watch that video and grab that PowerPoint deck and just take your game to the next level there. Let's come back to you, Don. Um, how, how practically should companies be thinking about if they know that their customer experience is not where it should be? How do you start? How do you approach breaking down uh, the analysis of what you're doing today versus where you need to get to? Um, well, you know, um, I, I think one of the most important aspects of business going forward is um, uh, learning how to be more flexible and agile in their operations. Uh, you know, the agile methodology was originally developed for software writers uh, who, you know, learns that the right way to do a large enterprise software release is not to try to define it perfectly in the beginning and then work through the whole thing and then release it, but to do it in sprints, you know, um, uh, with uh, people working in teams, scrums, they called them. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, Fundamentally, what we're, what we're talking about is um, uh, an agile organization is one that relies not just on the top-down rules, but on the bottom-up spirit of the organization, the, the, the discretionary effort of engaged employees, as Jacob Morgan says in his book, The Employee Experience, which is uh, uh, actually an excellent book. Um, he, he says... Engaged employees give discretionary effort, and that's what you want. You want your organization 
composed of employees willing to go the extra mile to get the mission accomplished. And if you have employees like that, then you can be more flexible because you don't have to wait for the top-down rules to come in and the bureaucratic uh, organization to be set in place. You can get together as a team and figure something out. That's how the, 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 the big companies are operating. I think something that's happening with the customer experience is uh, that uh, companies are now having to really think carefully about their what their customer goes through and and what they ought to go through, uh, and then they uh, they have to make changes, and they they don't have a year to make those changes. They right. have days or weeks maybe to make those changes. And I I think if uh, one thing very very uh, important has happened during the COVID crisis, it's focused businesses on the importance of the long-term value of your customer franchise, as opposed to the short-term value of the efficiency of your operation right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. One of the things we did, again, since the last time we chatted is uh, our marketing team deployed a a platform called Sendoso, and I'd be happy to show it to you. you Rooted in that is the word send, and what these guys do is they enable you to do direct mail on demand, but also sending on demand. So to your point, they -hmm. deployed this to our customer service team and to Mm -hmm. our sales team. And within our CRM, we use Salesforce. Uh, Any of those team members can go in, click the send button. button. Yep. yep, And up comes a library of different items, everything from like uh, Dimension branded onesies for babies to uh, plants, to all kinds of gifts, ranging of, of different prices, candies, treats, uh, little tchotchkes, all kinds of cool stuff sure. that they can just click a button. And to your point, like we've empowered the organization. We just dump budget into the system. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's use a, a number, say like we put $5,000 into the system of macro across the company, sending that can be done. And then we allocate budgets to different departments. And then we do some training and guidance. And so everybody is fully empowered that if I if I end a call today with Don and you know enjoyed our time together, I can just click a button, pick an item that I think you would like, um, even even send a gift certificate if, if there's not an item that's there, and boom, out it goes. And that kind of high touch engagement with customers, this, that, that should be everywhere. Uh, you know, not, not just, it's not today. You, we talked, I think we talked about the whole Netflix story, right? With Reed Hastings going into Blockbuster and that mm-hmm. person at the counter not being empowered to do the right thing. And when he, when she charged him like $40 for Apollo 13, he was like, F this, I'm never coming here again. This right. is horrible customer right. experience. And Netflix, you know, put them out of business, literally. I, I think that the, the blockbuster video story is a great story of one of the perils of not having um, a sense of mission driving your company that lies outside the business model. It, Blockbuster's mission, uh, and all their employees were enthusiastic about this mission, was to be the largest and most successful video rental store chain. Uh, And they were, they really were. But had their mission lied outside the model, what if their mission had been, our job is to allow consumers to get and view videos as quickly and, and, and efficiently as possible ever. Then when Netflix came in with its direct mail 
um, uh, version first, and then it's streaming li- it's streaming version. Mm-hmm. The, uh, Blockbuster would have been all over this. They yeah. would have been. They would have been. It, it, it would have been easy. Mm-hmm. I, I think you need to compare Blockbuster with uh, Apple Computer. Yeah, which uh, Apple Computer began as a computer company, but right. it's not really a personal computer company. Uh, not really anymore, because their fundamental mission was to uh, to create bicycles for the mind, as mm-hmm. in Steve Jobs' uh, uh, description, to allow people to think differently, to be creative, to to act on their uh, uh, their intellectual uh, uh, hunches. Uh, and in uh, the 1990s, they be they reinvented the music category with right. the iPod completely. Uh, and uh, and in the 2000s, they they became a phone company. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and at each juncture, their customers glommed onto it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when Blockbuster Video went out of business, nobody really shed too many tears. I mean, the executives probably, but the consumers they'd had it already. If Apple went out of business, you'd have rioting in every major city, you know? It is it is a cult-like following of passionate right. people, their their technology. Uh, you Apple Apple is maniacally focused on the customer experience. Mm-hmm. Maniacally. Yeah. Okay. As Amazon is. Amazon is also. And Amazon's so big people have a natural resistance to any giant behemoth like Amazon has right. become. Yeah. But still, for my money, Amazon and Apple are probably the most customer-centric uh, business operations on the planet today. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like of Apple recently mm-hmm. from a customer experience was yeah. during COVID um, going to the stores mm-hmm. and feeling like something really small I couldn't get addressed. The line out in front of the stores and having to sign up to kind of get into yeah. the store, I felt like other retailers were were doing that better. That was the only time I ever felt a very inconsistent Apple uh, yeah. experience. That that was it. I want to come back to something. A um, couple couple things you sure. said there around the mission. Mm-hmm. Like we know what what Disney value prop was. You know, the happiest place on earth. Right. That was yeah. their that was their mission, and it's expanded certainly. Over times, our mission when we started the company, June seventh of two thousand seven, Don was to make marketing heroes. At that time, all we were doing at that time, all was implementing marketing automation systems. At that time, there was only Eloqua really as a as a best in class mm-hmm. tool, and there was Salesforce as a CRM. Fast forward, like you said, if we had made our mission to be the best Eloqua implementation people on the planet or the best yeah. Eloqua, whatever we, we'd be dead uh yep, and the be mi- dead. yeah the be well a because their market has completely uh changed and and adobe has come in to become the 800 pound gorillas and and right. purchase marketo so we we help people with broad sets of marketing technology and sales technology it was never just about a specific tool but even more than technology it was like let's make our clients heroes and having a mission like that for my team, they know and they hear from me when I onboard them. Part of the onboard process is do whatever you need to do to make the other end uh, of that call or that experience or the work that you're doing, get that person promoted. Get that person to feel good about the work they are doing. Get that yeah. person to show their contribution to revenue. That's the goal. That's the mission. And everything has to align 
to that. And and again, these things are things that are inspired by you, inspired the leaders, the people that that um, taught me about customer experience. Because um, you certainly know when it's a bad customer experience, but you don't always know how to create a great customer experience. There's there's recipes. Uh, certainly for that. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I can give you a master recipe for creating a great customer experience. I'll take it. Treat the customer the way you'd like to be treated if you were the customer. That simple. It's really that simple. Coming back to my Apple comment, I wish I could have walked up into a different line that mm -hmm. basically said, I'm, I just want to buy a power cable. And they should have had like a pop-up for that accessory type stuff outside yeah. where I, I mean, cause they have completely frictionless buying. You can take your phone and just right. scan something and do it. And so I kind of had to be in the big line of everyone who maybe needed a system tune up or to buy yeah. something, but I couldn't just get a little accessory or some, some air, air, what did you, Airbus? did you give that feedback to Apple? I did not. No. Yeah. I, and did they ask you for any feedback? They did not on, on recent customer experience. No. Right. Right. Well, Nobody's perfect, um, but uh, the only way a corporation can learn that what its customers want is by getting constant feedback. Um, I think that feedback is really important. There's a couple of, there's some technologies available that allow you to collect feedback simply by observing your customers' online behaviors. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, decibel technologies, I think it's a UK company has a really um, good um, uh, system for uh, actually watching what people do on your website when they're on the website. And then they'll give you, uh, they'll give you, a, a um, the mousetrack patterns, for instance. And, and, and in real time, you can see when a customer is frustrated when their mouse goes all over. Okay. Yeah. Or when they click on something and it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, or they click or, or they on the same page twice, uh, twice in a row. And, 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 uh, so, uh, decibel follows that. Uh, and in terms of getting uh, voice of customer feedback, there's a really interesting company called Vox Pop Me. Okay, Vox don't know Pop that Me one. makes a. You know them? No, don't know them. Oh, okay. Well, Vox Pop Me makes an API uh, uh, or an app that you can put into your VOC survey. So, so Mr. Lewis, on a score of one to ten, how likely would you be to recommend us? And you put a two or a three. Uh, and a window will pop up. Would you like to leave us a video comment? Just click here and talk into your camera, talk mm -hmm. into your phone mm -hmm. um, and a video comment. And what Box Pop Me has found is that this is a fantastic app for the product managers and others who are the engineers behind the customer experience and the, the levers and buttons that need to be uh, programmed the right way yeah. because they can understand the story behind mm -hmm. the friction. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why we reason. We yep. reason with stories. Mm -hmm. We don't reason with numbers. You know, uh, we reason with beginning, drama, conclusion. Yep. The story. We remember stories. Yeah, and 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 we don't we don't often tell stories well. That you talk about Apple. Remember when Jobs introduced the uh, the iPod uh, as their music player, and you know Dell had a music player at that time, but they, it was called an MP3 player. And mm -hmm. when Dell would introduce a product, um, I'll hold up my phone for pretend, pretend this isn't an iPhone. Uh, yeah. But Dell would say, this is an MP3 player. It has 128 megabytes of, of storage on it. It has a audio port on the side of it to plug in your headsets. The battery lasts for about uh, four hours. 
and you can store about X number of songs. And when mm -hmm. Jobs would introduce a product to your point about story, he would say, we believe that music can create an incredible experience in your life and that you should be able to take your music with you wherever you go. And, and you shouldn't be limited in any way by your access to music, the songs that you right. have. You should be able to listen to anything, anywhere, and it should sound great, and it should be with you all day long, and it should uh, make life better for you. And because we believe in all these things, today we are introducing the iPod. It's right. a portable music player, so you can live a better day. Like, that's his style, and I'm, I'm not trying to quote him, but it, trying to replicate his yeah. way of introducing a product versus how a lot of traditional technology companies and for all yeah. of us as marketers we we got to we got to tell stories and we got to make it about the buyer and the buyer's experience so that they want to be part of that brand and brand experience right right and and with respect to some of these technology companies apple and amazon and, and google and and others um uh, I think they have an advantage in taking the long-term view of their business as opposed to the short-term view, primarily driven by the fact that they are, for the most part, owner-managed, okay? Uh, Bezos did, I don't know how many quarters, 20 quarters with no profit at all, and right. the shareholders were screaming. But you know what? He's the largest shareholder. Yeah. Um, and, and Jobs did the similar kinds of uh, uh, walk-arounds with his uh, shareholders. and. Uh, uh, and Sergey, uh, Sergey Brin and Larry Page at Google, yeah. and Zuckerberg at Facebook. All these companies are owner managed fundamentally. Mm -hmm. um, uh, they don't have a hired gun CEO coming in and, and getting paid on stock options or whatever. Uh, and so fundamentally, they do have the long term interest of their companies yeah. uh, in their mind, uh, and they understand that that long-term interest is served by the value of their customer base more than by the amount of sales you generate this particular financial period. Well, let's give people some homework before we wrap up or an assignment. Uh, All right. What one is, uh, Don won't say this, I'm going to say this. You guys are planning events uh, and are looking for great speakers to inspire your customers on customer experience. Uh, certainly reach out to Don join one of his 328,000 uh, followers. No, reach out to Don. It's, what, what's uh, the CX Speakers email? I will put it in the links below, but what is your... It's uh, dpeppers at cxspeakers.com. CX for customer experience. Dpeppers and I at answer cxspeakers. all my emails. Yes, you do. Glad to have it. That's when I reached out to you and I, and I said, Thank hey, you. come on a podcast yeah. with me. That was yeah. a year ago. Good to see you again. Yeah. And and well, what I, I want to give these guys an action item or something because... Look, you can listen to Don and I, and clearly Don's moved me and, and our business. What what should we recommend they take as a next step to okay. improve their customer experience in 2021? Here's the next step you can take. In your business, no matter who you sell to or what you sell, make it your job to reach out and interview or talk with a customer of your business uh, and ask them uh, what you could do better in the business and refuse to end the conversation until they tell you something. Uh, you're, you're, you're looking for an area to improve. Um, mm -hmm. You know, 
when I was in the airline business, I was a marketing VP at, uh, at an airline. Uh, and um, uh, what I used to do is I, I would uh, have uh, my assistant go to the reservation center, pick a random reservations agent, and tape record uh, 30 minutes of that agent's incoming calls with customers, okay? Some making reservations, some getting refunds and so forth. Then I'd make 10 copies of that tape and I'd distribute it to the officers of the airline uh, every evening and say, listen, this is a tape you need to put in your, your car stereo and listen to this tape on the way home or the way to work tomorrow morning. Uh, these are what our customers are saying. And 95% of the the things were very simple, very routine. But then there's that one in 20, you know, one in 10, one in 20 event where uh, you find that piece of friction that you just didn't think about. You didn't, right. you didn't realize that um, people stand in line at the Apple store now and, 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 and they get upset because they can't do something very, very simple and very routine at yeah. a pop-up. They ought yep. to be able to do that. Yeah. You know? Love you want to hear. You want to You want to harvest that feedback. You want to. You want to discover complaints. You should. If you're not getting complaints, that's not a good sign. It's a sign that you're not seeing. There are always complaints. You need to discover them. One thing we saw. Great, great suggestion. And I'm going to ask you guys. Please take an action item. In fact, if you're on the the YouTube channel watching us, drop a comment below saying, I'm going to take action or what you're going to do to improve the customer experience. And please do not feel helpless. Like if you're, you're like, right. oh, I'm not a manager, I'm not a leader in the organization. You can be that person that dives into your customer experience and makes a suggestion to improve it. It was a guy at Amazon who came up with one click ordering uh, and, and wanted to create a frictionless experience, guy or gal, I don't know. Um, and that was transformative for them. So be that person that makes a better customer experience for your company and tell us and what you did. Let me make one more one more suggestion here. Um, uh, this COVID crisis will be gone sooner or later. Uh, and what we'll be left with was well, all we learned in the COVID crisis. And one thing that we learned in spades is the importance of being flexible and agile and making changes immediately and having a directed sense of where we're headed in order to make these changes. Yeah. So when you find any point of friction in your customer experience, the next step is figure out how to eliminate it, okay? And don't start with the CEO. Start with yourself. Love it. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, Don, for joining me again. I have a small ask for every marketer that is watching this, everybody watching this. We are on the climb to getting subscribers on our YouTube channel. If you're watching us, just take one click second and click the subscribe button below so that you catch all these new episodes. And if you liked today's, if you learned or just got even inspired today, uh, click the like button because we sure, as Don said, we love feedback and I'd love to hear from you guys. Sure. Thank you so much for joining me on the channel. Thank you, Don, for, for coming Thanks, back. Dude. And my uh, pleasure. be sure to click those links below you guys up, up your, up your web conferencing game. That's not going mm -hmm. away anytime soon. Yeah. All right. All right. That's going to do it. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.